If you're feeling the way I'm feeling, like, oh my God, that was the most amazing Torah processional I've ever seen. <laughs> if you're feeling the way I'm feeling, like, oh my God, this is the most amazing Torah service I've ever seen. It's just so amazing to see each other, to hug each other, to kiss each other, to shake hands with each other. It's just so amazing not to be on Zoom anymore. The question before us is, is it possible to hold on to that feeling of intense wonder? That, oh my God, intense wonder. Is it possible to hold on to it? And dare I say, is it possible to grow it so that next week you think the Torah procession is even better? Or is it inevitable? Is it inevitable that this intense wonder, it's so good to be in shul, will fade away? And to this question, I want to bring the deepest and most relevant, most learned source that I can bring, an episode of the Mary Tyler Moore Show that was first broadcast in 1976. I saw that this episode is on our question now. This episode is your life now. Here's the episode. It's called Ted's Change of Heart. It first broadcast October 23rd, 1976. I remember watching it, you know, as as a 14, 15-year-old thinking, wow, this is deep. I've thought about it ever since, and it's just so urgent now. So here's what happens in Ted's change of heart. Ted is delivering, you know, Ted is the pompous news anchor. And he's delivering the news one night. And he suffers a heart attack. And he's taken to a hospital... And fortunately, after a brief period in the hospital, he is restored to a full health. Ted Baxter gets a refua shalema. And while he emerges with his health from his cardiac incident, he's not the same person. His trauma has changed him. His trauma has shaped him. He is now filled with this intense gratitude and this intense wonder for blessings that he had never even seen before. So you see Ted Baxter staring out the window at a sunset, the majesty of day turning into night. One night he's having dinner at Mary's house, and he just does a soliloquy on the poetry of salt. He holds up the salt shaker and he says, each grain of salt, it's so tiny, it's so tasty, my food is so much better because of this salt. Mary, have you ever seen salt before? But mostly he's intensely grateful for people in a way that he had never been. He goes around the office and he's usually crusty and self-centered and self-interested and he goes around the office thanking people and hugging people and telling people how much he loves and values them. Fresh from his loss, 
fresh from his trauma, fresh from his salvation. He just has an intense extra wonder. And his story evokes the comment of Rashi on the Israelites as they're crossing the Sea of Reed, fresh from their salvation. A wall of water to their left, the wall of water to their right. They're walking through Batochayam Vayabasha on the dry ground in the middle of the sea. The Israelites, fresh from that wonder, according to Rashi, have a wonder that's so intense that every ordinary Israelite, for the moment, is like the prophet Ezekiel. That's Rashi's comment on Shabbat Shira. Every person is like the prophet Ezekiel. Oh my God, so intense. So now is the question. That's our question now. It's not just how intensely joyful it feels to be in shul, but think about all the things that we are now doing for the first time that we haven't done in 16 months. Monday night, I'm going to a high school graduation party in person. I'm like the prophet Ezekiel. Wow, I get to go to a graduation party. Intense wonder. The first time you have friends over for Shabbos dinner, and it doesn't have to be outside in the cold, and it doesn't have to be there here and you're there and with masks on. The first time you can be like a mensch and have people at your house for Shabbos dinner inside. Always helpful when it's raining. Intense wonder. The first time you get on an airplane and you go and see a loved one that you haven't seen in forever. Intense wonder. Oh my God, I love airplanes. How long does that intense wonder last? Now the answer, according both to the Mary Tyler Moore show and the book of Exodus is not long. How long? Not long. In the Mary Tyler Moore episode, Ted Baxter's Change of Heart, the, the title of that episode is a triple entendre. He has the heart attack, that's the first change of heart. He has the gratitude, that's the second change of heart. And the third is that before 24 minutes are over, he's back to his old self. He has lost his wonder. He no longer stares out at the window, he no longer tastes salt, he's no longer kind and generous to people. He reverts to his character, which is narcissism and pomposity. And the same thing happens with the Israelites. Actually, how long does wonder last? The book of Exodus is kind enough to quantify it for us. The answer is, for those of you who like quantitative analysis, the answer is, according to the book of Exodus, your increased delta of wonder will last for 72 hours. Three days, three days after splitting of the sea, three days after they're all Ezekiel, they revert to their character. They're all complaining, where's the water? Why did you take us out of here? So here's our question. Can we do better than Ted Baxter? 
Can we do better than the Israelites? Can we somehow transcend human nature and not lose our wonder? So Judaism has something super helpful here. It's a concept that I have just always loved and wrestled with ever since I learned of it at the seminary. It's called radical amazement. And radical amazement is a term that's coined by the late, great Abraham Joshua Heschel. Here's what radical amazement is. It's a very cool concept, very cool concept. Radical amazement is the ability to be inspired by ordinary things. You're inspired by the ordinary people you see, the ordinary things you do, the ordinary places you go. And what's radical about radical amazement is that all this happens at home. In other words, anybody can be amazed, ah, hiking the Alps. Anybody can be amazed going to Paris. But can you be amazed doing your ordinary day at home? That's what's radical about radical amazement. And of course, we'd all sign up for that. We'd all sign up for that. Who wouldn't want to be radically amazed and deeply grateful and intensely filled with wonder? But the question is always how, H-O-W. So very often, the question is how do you do it? So I want to tell you a story that was told to me by my teacher of Jewish philosophy at the seminary, Neil Gilman. I have loved this story for 30 years. And I have bumped up against this story and wrestled with this story for 30 years. I call it the purple onion story. And it goes like this. The purple onion story goes like this. One Friday night, Neil Gilman is preparing a salad for Shabbos dinner. He's chopping away. And he takes a purple onion and he chops it in half. And all of a sudden, he feels this surge of feeling. He is overwhelmed. It is intense. He looks at this onion and he calls out to his daughters, Abby and Debbie. And he says, Abby and Debbie, come, come, come. Abby and Debbie, come quickly. And his daughters rush into the kitchen. And they say, Dad, are you okay? Is everything okay? Is everything okay? Oh, look at this onion. Dad, it's an onion. It's not an onion. Look at it. It's an onion. No. Look at the concentric circles. Look at the intersplicing of white and pink and purple. This. This is made by a divine hand. Now, I have had three different stages in my relationship to the purple onion story. The first stage was just simple love. I want to emulate this. I want to find God in the kitchen the way Neil Gilman found God in the kitchen. I want to find God while chopping a purple onion in half. I want an epiphany at the kitchen counter. There's only one problem with that. I've been at this for more than 30 years, and it's not happened even one time.
And I'm the sous chef in our home. I do all the chopping. I have chopped at least a thousand onions. Well more than half are purple onions. I have chopped so many vegetables. I have chopped cauliflower and broccoli, celery and carrots, sweet potatoes and eggplants, and not once have I ever been inspired to say, oh my God, kids, kids, look at the sweet potato. That's the first stage. So second stage, my beloved wife was kind enough to give me an assist. One year for my birthday, she bought me a lithograph of purple onions, <laughs> including one purple onion that was cut in half. And I took this lithograph of the purple onions to remind me of the purple onion story. And I put this on my desk. And I see it every day. And its purpose is to remind me to reach for radical amazement. But to be honest, it doesn't work because we never see what's always there. What's always there, we never see. It's the wallpaper problem. And that leads me to my third stage of relationship to the purple onion story, which is where I live now. I've come to think that radical amazement is less a surge, a stirring of emotion or insight the way it was for Rabbi Gilman. And I now think of it in a different category. Wonder or amazement is a spiritual muscle. And it's like all muscles. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. The less you use it, the weaker it gets. If you want more wonder, you have to work for it. Wonder that comes and goes, just comes and goes because, oh my God, we're coming out of the pandemic. Wonder that lasts takes work. We have to strengthen the wonder muscle. Now, I'll just tell you what we do in my home. Every night at 8.30, no matter what we're doing, although usually we're just having dinner at the kitchen table, Shira's clock alarm goes off, and she'll say, it's 8.30. What are we grateful for today? What wonder did you experience today? That's every day. I do this every day. And here's something that's so interesting. When you have to report out on if you encountered wonder during the day, here's what happens. It actually changes how you go through the world, because it makes your eyes wide open for wonder, because I'm always thinking, what am I going to talk about at 8.30? And that sometimes means I find wonder in the most unusual times and places. I'll just give you one recent example of the most unusual time and place where I found real wonder. We were flying home from Israel in May. And because of the missiles that Hamas was firing off and that Iron Dome was intercepting, so the captain got on and said, ladies and gentlemen, 
uh, we're going to be delayed because we have to sweep the surface of Ben-Gurion from all the debris from the missiles that Iron Dome has shot down. So we're going to be delayed. As a result of which, our plane left late. Not a lot of wonder there. As a result of which, when we got to Kennedy Airport late, we missed our connecting flight to Logan. Not a lot of wonder there. As a result of which, we had to go and rent the car at Hertz at Kennedy Airport. Not a lot of wonder there. And then after a 12-hour flight, drive home another three hours. Not a lot of wonder there. But an interesting thing happened when Shira and I got to the Hertz counter. The woman who was the agent behind the counter took one look at us and had so much Rachmanus on us. She said, oh, looks like you guys have been through something. Let me try to get you the best car we can get you as soon as we can and get you home. And she got us a car and she gave us the keys, and then she actually blessed us. She said, I hope God will help you get home safely. So we're schlepping our luggage from the Hertz counter to the parking space that Hertz has at Kennedy Airport. And I say to Shira, I've got my 8.30. My 8.30 is the Hertz agent who after a long flight and before an unwanted drive home, she saw us and she cared. Now that's not as exciting as seeing God in a half-cut purple onion. But to me anyway, it's more real and it's more sustainable. So here's the good news. Wonder can last. All it takes is work. 8.30 is coming soon enough. What's going to fill you with wonder today? Shabbat shalom.